welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is a show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every month to talk about it. Every week? <laughs> every, every week. week. <laughs> oh, the baby brain is hitting me hard, Raquel. It is rough. It's here. It's here and it is messing up, like messing with your brain to the extent that the um, the intro that you've done... 136 times uh actually more than that i've just recently posted that 136th episode but i'm a little bit behind we're behind we're ahead it doesn't matter we're ahead the baby brain is hurting me too (laughs) (laughs) can i tell you a story because they already know what show we're watching so you can do that in just a minute yeah yeah, i need to cut you off to tell you my story um the other day i was brushing my teeth and I started gargling the water to, like, rinse out my mouth. And I just w- was, like, staring at the wall. I just zoned out so hard. <laughs> and then I just opened my mouth to spit out the water without <laughs> leaning down into the sink like you do. And so the water just, like, went all over my robe. Just, is that baby brain or am I broken? <laughs> I think it's definitely baby brain, because I've never done that, and I've done some pretty spacey things, but I've never, yeah, I've never, I've never done that, and you and I are the same person, so I think you're good. I think I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) The baby is affecting everything. I don't understand it, but yeah, if I say weird things in this episode, don't blame it on me. (laughs) It's all baby. That's on the baby. <laughs> um, this week we are watching, or we watched, and we are now reviewing the first four episodes of The Guest. Get spooky for April. Yeah, I think what's it's up? April. Uh, yes, I think it's also April. Welcome to April. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's May. I don't know. Maybe it's March. Who's to say? Only the future can tell. (laughs) You tell us, because we can't count weeks. (laughs) Yeah, we're watching The Guest, and we decided to go for a very horror show. Yeah. You know, in the theme of how we watched maybe the best drama ever, and we always have to do something wildly different when we watch a really good drama, because if we don't, and we watch too many, like, of the same... Um, theme of drama in a row, it all starts to blend together. So, mm-hmm. or our expectations stay too high. Yeah, which is not to say this is bad. It is just wildly different from anything we've ever done, including the couple of times that we've done stuff about like ghosts or stuff about murder. Murder. Yeah, I was pretty surprised because I'd seen the previews for it on Netflix, and when you suggested we watch it, I was like, yeah, seems like a pretty regular horror show. I'm very excited for it. And then it was so much darker than I ever expected. Yeah, and then I was like, maybe it's just the first episode that they're like really setting a really dark tone. No, it has continued for every episode we have watched so far, which is four. Four episodes of just really (laughs) dark... Lots of blood, possession. Yeah, maybe we should start at the top by saying how we feel about 
possession and ghosts. I believe in ghosts. I don't believe in demons. I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's something that I need to believe in to be able to sleep at night and enjoy all the horror things that I enjoy. I don't think demons are real, and I don't think they can possess people. It's just something I don't think happens in this world. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the same level with demons as I am with ghosts, which is to say, I don't know, it's kind of different, because I genuinely kind of want to believe in ghosts, versus it's not like I desire to believe in demons, but it both are very up in the air for me. Um mm. And I think that just my own lack of experience with either of those things makes me feel very naturally skeptical. And I don't want to deny anyone else's lived experience. I just, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't currently, but I'm also not sure about anything ever. So, uh-huh. Yeah, I walk a I walk a hard line because my mom is a medium, so she sees and talks to ghosts, and we can address that in a <laughs> in a therapy session. But uh, I like to think that ghosts are maybe real. I don't think they can interact with this world. I don't want to believe that a ghost can haunt and kind of torture a person emotionally or mentally by haunting them and doing things that aren't possible in this world. I like to think that ghosts are kind of trapped in their own dimension that is a world beside our own and they can't interact with our world except through mediums. Again, this is all just my brain being like, let's exist in a world that we want to exist in. (laughs) So your experience may be Like, no, ghosts are for sure real, and they can for sure interact with this world. You just haven't seen it yet. And yeah, pray for me that I never will, because (laughs) that would mess me up. Yeah, I don't ever want to. When I was a kid, I kind of thought that ghost hunting would be cool. And as time has gone on, I feel like it's one of those things where if it is real, I don't want to fuck with it. I don't want to deal with it if it's real. And if it's not real, then... I'm continuing to live in the same existence that I have before. So mm-hmm. that's comfortable, you know? Um, but I think it's cool. I just I just don't know. Yeah, I think ghosts are cool. I think demons are so terrifying that I cannot even begin to fathom them. I yeah. don't want them to be real at all. And so they are not. Yeah, that level of evil is a lot to comprehend and then just deal with the existence of. Uh, And they make sure you know just how evil they think that these demons can be. Yeah, like, freaking this show alone is like, these things that you see, these bad things that are happening, these are the lesser spirits. These are the least of our worries. There is something much stronger behind them. And I'm like, hey, this is this is getting freaky. <laughs> I don't like that. None of this, though. I don't. I, we're going into episode five starting next week. And I'm already like, so we have only 16 episodes to defeat Park Ildu, which is the... <laughs> 
the big bad evil guy, the final boss, and I have zero hope. I am like, these guys stand no chance. Yeah, well, the thing is, is it, it kind of feels like they just don't have any idea. They're all kind of hunting him, except the lady cop, um, the lady detective. She's not a cop. She's a detective. She's a violent crimes investigator. And Respect. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't necessarily looking for Park il do so much as just, like, trying to solve crimes, put bad guys away, and be really tortured and cranky about it. Just <laughs> always. Which I get it. She's been through some real-ish. Um, but... I don't know. It's crazy to think that the two male leads are both pursuing this, like, massive evil thing. Like you said, it's just really hard for me to believe that they have anything to do once they get there. It's like they're hunting uh -huh. it down, and then what's endgame? Be murdered? Because you've kind of proven that it's hard to even dispel the lesser but still powerful spirit. So how are you gonna get rid of their king? Because no one wants to help you out with that. Everyone yeah. is very incapable. You weren't able I to don't... do it the first time, priests. In fact, it went really poorly. And now I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure they've hinted that it's in Matthew. And uh, it's been kind of haunting him for a long time. How are you gonna release that when you don't even know it's there? Like, he's clearly not possessed by Park il -Dew. I get the impression it's more like a shadow, like he's kind of attached to Matthew. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, like he knows of, of him and is sort of hunting him, but not actively possessing him or anyone around him yet. So, <laughs> what's the game plan, guys? Yeah, you gonna kill this thing or like banish it to the East Sea? Or... Also, I don't know, I do love a good lore. Like, I love when people give me lore behind what's going on, uh, mm -hmm. which I think that they've sort of done, but part of me is like, damn, why does it come from the East Sea? Does it say, and then I just forgot? I genuinely don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe there was this big story about how I, I could have sworn there was like a crazy guy that they took to the East Sea and drowned. It's in the back yeah. of my mind. Like, there was a just... story... About yeah. a guy who drowned himself, but, like, wasn't dead and just, like, stared at the people. But it okay. kind of sounded like he was possessed by Park il -Dew, So it was, like, oh. he was maybe the first. Like, he became the cautionary tale, but he was not Park il -Dew himself. Okay. Man, if then I'm wrong, yeah. listeners, <laughs> let us know, you know? We'll look it up for the bonus episode. But right now... We're just going to keep plowing ahead with our very limited knowledge. <laughs> like we do. Like we do. All I remember of the first episode was just so many murders. Just infinite murders. Yeah, I struggled getting through the first episode because I almost had to turn it off when the dog died. I struggle with animal death. I think we all uh -huh. knew it about me. I think a lot of people are that way. Some people are, like, really compassionate for humans as well, and they struggle with human <laughs> death. 
which is sad for me. Like, I'm not, like, immune to being like, oh, no, all of these people. Oh, no. Um, but I don't get as physically nauseous when mm. humans die as I do when animals die. So I that was a big bummer for me. I think it depends for me. I get what you mean. For some reason, animal death hits hard and fast. And it's every time. Whereas human death, like we had the the priest, Father Che, who beats his parents to death. And you don't really see it. And you don't really interact with it. So you're like, oh, gruesome. But then when he starts coming after his little brother, that's when my stomach got in knots and was like, I don't want this. I don't want this slow <laughs> child murder. This is going to this is gonna be my point where I have to turn off the show. And they knew that, and they avoided it. But yeah, I think human death, maybe it's just so much more common in, in horror that it's just so much more palatable by now, which is weird and sad. But you have to, like humanize the humans for some reason he murders his dad and we only had one scene with his dad being kind of a jerk and you're like "Mm, i don't really miss him yeah it it is legitimately i think it's kind of the same thing on like with kids as it is with animals Mm. where it it feels like a more innocent thing you know and so it's also sad when adults die but there's like the innocence of kids and then from my point of view, as someone who obsessively loves animals, the actual pure, wholesome, incorruptible innocence of a dog or a cat or, like, most animals, um, which I know that, like, takes it pretty far. Like, that asserts that they just can do no wrong. I think they can, but I think usually it's human influence. So I just struggle. Or very, like, circle of life. Yeah. Like, when a cat kills a mouse, you're not, like... No, this cat is terrible and evil. Right. It's more, yeah, like you said, circle of life. And usually, typically, the cats are are a little different. It's not just to do a murder. It's kind of like uh, to eat or my ancestors taught me this. Yeah, I think that's the thing is you're like, it's a natural instinct to murder Because your ancestors used that skill to eat, even though you're just killing for fun, (laughs) I can write it off as instinct. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that was hard. I guess something that we should definitely talk about also is that um, this is in no way a critique of actually how I feel about the show, but it is very different, like you mentioned a little bit, than what I expected. Mm. Because... um, I think the most horrific thing we've watched before watching The Guest was Flower of Evil, which was spooky thriller, <laughs> but it was not necessarily, like, out-and-out horror. It wasn't bite your thumb off and then stab yourself in the eye with <laughs> a headrest? Yep. I, I feel like, yeah, I almost laugh at Flower of Evil being categorized as maybe horror, or horror adjacent at this point where I'm like, nope, that was nothing. Mm-mm. That We're going through it now. We are <laughs> in the ringer. Flower of Evil, you did not prepare us for this. No, nope. Um, 
so yeah, it's not really a critique on how I feel about the show. I just, I guess I wanted to assert to our listeners that this is not like anything we've ever done before. And it wasn't like we were expecting it to be so radically different either, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In that way, I haven't really connected with the show as much as I do most of our our dramas that we pick for for play on K. I think we picked this one pretty arbitrarily just being like it's on Netflix and it's a horror and we like those two things. Um and now that we're into it, I'm like I hope that it's good because it's fine for right now. But I'm hoping it gets better. I'm hoping that there's more storyline to it. I think is the most part where so far we've gotten a lot of kind of episodic bad guys as they get closer and closer to or better and better at tracking Park Il Do. But it's it's interesting in like a vague sense, in like a crime show where every episode is a different criminal. And now we need to start tying in more of the stories of the characters themselves. And that's what I think will get me really into the drama. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that and learning more about the characters because right now it's actually very, it's hard to connect with any of them because they're all pretty tortured from their pasts. And I want to know them more as characters and not just icons of a horror show. So they're just Mm -hmm. like horrified all the time, rightfully so. Um, A couple of things I really like about the character development so far, or I guess what they've shown us of the characters so far is I really like the main character, the psychic, and his... I think that it's kind of cool that they gave us a main character with a strong moral compass of mm. feeling really responsible for saving human lives by getting rid of these spirits. Like, I guess that... Um, he kind of holds human life in high esteem, and I'm I think I'm just kind of used to, especially in horror genre, used to a main character that, especially a character that went through what he went through, just kind of being like, I didn't choose this life, and so I'm going to try and avoid my powers, or like avoid the fact that I see these things that are happening, and try not to, I don't know, die in the way my mom did, or... Yeah. But instead it's a very, like... I see these things, and so I have this responsibility to try and uh, get rid of the evil entity that is causing them. And he, like, goes out and he does that. And I think that's really cool. Like, that's a really commendable main character that I'm excited by. That's so interesting. I didn't think about it that way. But I do think that is a great point about what makes him so likable. It's sometimes... I think it's interesting how it's manifested, especially in opposition to the detective, where they're both such stubborn people. And I think they're both going towards the same goals of protecting people and justice almost above all, except when it when it comes to them being together and interacting with each other, it always comes off as them in opposition so I think that gets <laughs> frustrating in a good way. Yeah. Where you're so mad at them and you're like, just figure it out. You're on the same team. 
But it's, yeah, I, I didn't think of it that way, that they, both of them, and I would assume Matthew as well, he kind of seems that way, that the three of them are all kind of just suckers for the sacredness of human life and the human experience and their duty to protect people and help as much as possible. It's very commendable. It makes them, yeah people who you want to follow and want to watch a whole drama about. Yeah, and learn more about them. I'm especially interested to see how they develop Matthew's character, because right now he seems the most kind of involved with doing what he wants to do, but then he's always kind of suckered into doing the exorcism, because usually the main character is like, the psychic is like, um, no, you know what? human life though and your your mentor would have wanted you to help these people and he's like gee dang it he doesn't he can't say the bad words because he's a priest (laughs) (laughs) but he's like uh gee dang it um you're right like i he fought a really lonely battle against evil and that was what i appreciated most about him oh that scene at the funeral where the other priest was like he lived a useless life just trying to exercise demons that don't even exist and freaking father cheekbones over here being like, <laughs> do you even know that of which you speak, you <laughs> small, incompetent man? Oh, oh, that hits him. so hard. That showed <laughs> so much about who Matthew was and who Father Han was before him. I thought... That was just so cool because you're interested in these exorcists and you it's fascinating to see that they are kind of outcasts in the church and in the hierarchy of of their church. Now he's the last one. Yeah, he's the last exorcist in Korea, in South Korea. Yeah, there might be some in North Korea. Can you stay optimistic? Yeah. (laughs) What's that like? Who's to say? (laughs) Um, so something that kind of was curious like I was personally very curious about was so the actor that plays Father Cheekbones uh, his Mm -hmm. name his name is Kim Jae-wook got it Um, and he played if if y'all have watched it he played Ryan Gold the male lead in her private life and he was also a secondary character in Coffee Prince. Um, and so he's been around for a while. He seems, I don't know, I've always really liked everything he's been in and the characters he's played when I've seen him. And so that's part of what drew me to this drama. And I was really curious after seeing just how much horror is involved in it. I was curious about why he accepted the role. So I actually looked up an article and it was luckily very spoiler free, which was nice. Um, (laughs) But he talks about um, how he, he felt like it was a really fresh script because in Korean dramas, as we classically know them, there's never really exploration of exorcism and shamanism and kind of where they intersect and what they're dealing with and he said it felt really exciting and so I thought that was really interesting because yeah I don't think I've ever seen I mean that's kind of how we ended up where we're at is that like we hadn't seen a, a 
show like this and so he was right like this feels like a really unique horror k-drama yeah yeah i'm excited to see how those interact progressively throughout the drama where they seem to go really hand in hand in these first four episodes they're not really opposing forces even though they are somewhat distinct ideologies I think it's cool how they work together and they're very respectful towards each other, especially Father Cheekbones and the shaman. Yeah, in fact, they often kind of switch it up when they feel like, especially the shaman is like, I can't handle this. I My, uh-huh. my spirit guide can't kill this thing. Like, no way. Tap out. Yeah, uh, take it to the priest. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's cool to see. Yeah, and it's very different. I was really excited. I know this might sound very dumb, <laughs> but I was really excited by the fact that the priest, Father Cheekbones, discovered that Hua Pyong, the main character, was showing everybody his brother oh, by the end yeah. of episode four. I love a quick moving plot. And I thought that would be something that was dragged out for a long time. I think now we only have the detective who's going to be let in the loop eventually. I assume she was the third character who was at that crime scene where she's probably the one who lost her mother that night. I guess it hasn't quite been confirmed, but we all know that was her. It was those three. And it's cool that two of them already found out that it was two of them. I think I expected that to be, like, episode 12, you know? Like, drag it out for as long as possible that these three are working together and they don't even know that they share the same traumatic night. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... I think the detective's reaction will be the most interesting because I actually think that... Well, it's tricky because if... um, If Father Cheekbones finds out that the psychic is the one who spread the possession to his brother. I don't... I feel like the big brain, rational way to react to that, if you, like, if... Obviously, it's something he believes in. He's an ex- an exorcist, and he wouldn't be like, hey, you intentionally spread <laughs> this to... Like, you brought this into my family. Because obviously, the psychic never asked for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I feel like there could be some conflict there just because... It was obviously very traumatic for Father Cheekbones to lose his brother. Um, or rather, sort of lose his brother, but lose his whole family to his brother, who murdered them and then tried to murder him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Like, that'll be interesting, but I think the detective is the one that will have the most... Um, negative reaction to the other characters based on what happened to her mom just because first of all that seems to be the character we've got on our hands she is pretty volatile she's an angry lady yeah i like her yeah Um, but i like that she's willing to jump off of a roof to tackle a rapist like go for it (laughs) yeah do it i wouldn't do it but But get that rapist Put him in jail. Put him in jail or push him off the other roof. I don't know. Yeah, kick his ass. I don't care, actually. Just, like, take him down, you know? 
<laughs> um. So yeah, I really like her, but she is very, very, very volatile. I feel like she could just explode at any moment, and that seems like the thing that could light that fuse. Yeah, and she is the least interested in all of the spiritual goings-on, so I think she will struggle the most with being like, oh, it wasn't your brother that killed my mom. It was possession. It was this demon. That's great. I love that. Yeah. It seems a lot easier to be like, "Mm, it was your brother, and now I have a problem with you. Yeah, yeah, because so far she's kind of been... Like, these people, I, it's not that she disbelieves that they're possessed, but she still believes that they deserve consequences because someone has to pay for the crimes they're committing. And yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate that the demon isn't really paying for it, but like, that's just the way it goes in the legal system that doesn't believe in demons. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I do have something I, like, my conscience says it's important for me to bring up and talk okay. about that's kind of bothering me about, like, it, I, I would be remiss to not bring it up in the show, but if you can, like, talk me through it or, like, you think I'm being sensitive, totally open to that. I was just very, very frustrated with how they characterized the brother with the mental illness in the fourth episode. Mm. because there were a couple of things that they did. First of all, they listed off all of the things that he does or potentially has. Like, they never said for sure, like, is he an autistic man? Uh, Is he... Does he have multiple personality disorder? Does he suffer from schizophrenia? Like, they listed off a bunch of stuff that he could be suffering from, but never fully said what, but then characterized him as not a possessed person, but just a guy with mental illness that's pretty okay with murder and violence and hurting people and has a proclivity for violent behavior, which I will, like, as we're analyzing this as part of our review... I will hand it to them that they also had him as, like, someone with any potential one of these uh, different mental illnesses or um, conditions uh, or, you know, just, like, these different ways that his brain could be working. But then they they put him in in a violent home. So it's kind of like, okay, well, he was raised in violence... It's just hard for me because all of the things that they listed that he could potentially be suffering from, like, none of those things make you a violent person or a murderer. Like, statistically, like, people with autism aren't okay with murder. People with multiple personality disorder aren't okay with murder just because they have multiple personality disorder. Like, one of their personalities isn't gonna be a murderer. Um... It just felt like a big mischaracterization of a character with mental illness or autism. Or it just adds to the stigma against people with mental differences. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, there are probably people out there who suffer from mental illnesses and were put in or were raised in very violent environments 
who might, when confronted with rejection, they might hit a woman and accidentally kill her, like, not knowing their strength, I think. That's a valid, like, circumstance that could happen. Yeah. But it, yeah, just is frustrating to see it when they are already dealing with so many spiritual things that they could just throw in like they're both possessed like that's a thing that could have happened is two people got possessed at once but instead they're saying like no the older brother is definitely possessed the younger brother's just a monster and also happens to have like these mental differences and it's like you're just adding to the stigma now of like that people who have different mental capacities have a higher propensity to violence. Right, and that's so frustrating, yeah. It's unnecessary when you've already got demons involved and you could just say (laughs) it was a demon. Yeah, or make him non-violent or, I don't know, not characterize him, because I know they were trying to keep it up in the air of, like, is he possessed, is he not possessed? But then they just made him erratic and then assigned him some nebulous mental like yeah yeah it's just hard yeah and it's yeah just unnecessary yeah like don't do that guys (laughs) it's interesting because for us it comes on the heels of watching it's okay to not be okay where that show talks a lot about mental differences and being like there's still people we can acknowledge that they are still human beings so, so yeah, it was very hard to watch this younger brother be categorized as a non-person who can't understand basic rules of society because he has maybe some mental illness. Yeah. Um, so anyway, if you also had a problem with that, go watch It's Okay to Not Be Okay, because, like Em said, they do a really, really good job with talking about how people handle their different, um, mental differences and mental illnesses, and it's beautiful, and yeah, it felt- I'm I'm really glad we talked this out, because it felt wrong to not bring up at all and talk Mm. about, like, how maybe they could have done that better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. (laughs) My notes are so stupid. <laughs> I took like four notes for these episodes because 90% of everything that happened was just murders, just constant, all the time murders. Like you said, you're watching the first episode and you're like, this is gonna this is gonna be a trial by fire, right? Like that's why so many murders are happening. And then you get to the next three episodes and you're like, oh no. No, it's gonna be a lot of murder all the time. <laughs> Every single episode is just murder. So my first note for episode three was, just hit the taxi from behind so you can claim <laughs> it's a fender bender and it was an accident. You're on a road that's maybe more populated. Like, why are you trying to get him in the middle of nowhere? Like, hit him on a very populated road, make it look like a regular fender bender, but hit him hard enough so that his trunk pops open so that... When people are driving by, they're like, what's going on? And you're like, there's a body in that trunk and everybody can see you, bud. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, That's like something thinking. Instead of, yeah, getting him alone. I don't know. Maybe he's like, if anyone stops, we'll all be murdered. 
Um, Because apparently that is a characteristic of these demons. It's not really self-preservation so much as just murdering everyone. That's fair. I already forgot about the demons so fast. I was like, who does he think that guy is that he could murder a bunch of people? Like, he could take on a crowd. And you're like, a demon? He's a demon, Emily. Oh, yeah. Okay, my bad, my bad. Um, yeah, that car chase, though. I was just kind of, every car chase, I was like, okay, but how long are we going to make this? <laughs> I didn't even notice. I watched all the Fast and Furious movies, not ironically. I genuinely enjoy all of them so yeah. much. So I'm like, car chase, car chase, car chase. I do love the Fast and Furious movies, though. Um, join us next week for our fan cast about the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> it's going to be about this quality. <laughs> But yeah, it probably wasn't I get that, that long. I just had no patience. I I guess I don't have any patience for like taxi car chases. I want to see him racing like luxury vehicles and mm-hmm. uh fucking what's the sports cars or nothing. Yeah, and there is something to be said about like I guess Fast and Furious. Occasionally they take it to the streets, but it's always so much easier to watch when you're not worried about civilians getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, the Fast and Furious drivers really know what they're doing. Like, they're capable drivers. Yeah. <laughs> they're and not like demons. And you like to assume Hua Pyeong also knows what he's doing, but you're like, if you hit someone with your car, you're going to get in a lot of trouble with the law, and you're already just constantly walking the line of getting in a lot of trouble with the law. Yeah. I was pretty grateful, actually, that they kind of briefly skirted the idea that, like, he was responsible for crimes without pursuing it as, like, a wrongfully investigated for a crime, because he had some pretty solid alibis for a lot of the crimes, like being at the police department when a woman was murdered, and, um... And then him predicting that the guy would stab his eye out. Uh, Mm. And then the guy obviously doing that himself in front of people. So it's kind of like, okay, well, obviously that's not an indication that he's responsible for this. Um, But I was pretty worried. I was pretty freaking worried. that (laughs) Because if you've been listening to Play on K up to this point, and you've listened to some of our other legal dramas that we've uh, reviewed then you might be aware that one of my irrational but completely real fears is of being wrongfully uh, accused and persecuted or convicted of a crime, like, that I did not commit. That is, you know, if I commit a crime, you know, take me to jail. But if I am wrongfully (laughs) convicted, that is so terrifying to me. And I think that's a storyline that's often pursued in psychic dramas of like how do you know all this information if you weren't part of it we're gonna arrest you and make it so that other crimes happen that are equally heinous and they the real bad guy is out there somewhere getting away with things because we've locked you up and you're like this makes me so uncomfortable i hate it yeah it makes me so nervous so yeah i was glad that they skirted it um, and acknowledge that it's a little bit sus that he is uh, 
so connected to all of the stuff that's going on with the murders, but is in no real way connected. Like, they're pr- mm-hmm. they're pretty confident that he is not responsible. Yeah, I really love the policewoman's storyline, Detective Kong. I think she's got a really interesting dynamic within her her workplace of like she just wants to catch bad guys kind of at any cost and that often gets her in trouble but then sometimes she gets in trouble for working way too hard and that's super frustrating to watch as a viewer and it's just this back and forth where you can tell that people just don't like her yeah and you're like I don't even know if I like her sometimes yeah but I believe in her yeah because she really does just want to catch them it's one of those things that you don't love to see that um quality in a real cop but yeah in a fictional cop it feels pretty good um like you want them to have the quality of wanting to catch the bad guy but maybe just not at any cost because that's dangerous yeah when the Cops are acting like judge, jury, and executioner. Not a good thing. We no. can all agree on that. We don't But this love show it. has definitely established that she has this ability to be sure that her villains have committed the <laughs> crimes that they have been accused of. And so when she beats them up, you're like, yeah, this feels right. <laughs> Get him. Get him. Yeah. And um, it's hard to watch her get back to the station and everybody's like, F you. <laughs> yeah, especially, like, the boss of her, who... Another quality you hate to see in a cop is so much pride that you can't admit that it's a good thing that you found the girl alive because yeah. it's disappointing that she wasn't dead in the reservoir. Hey, buddy, chill hey, out. Buddy. What is that? What is that energy you're bringing to the police force? The worst Um, energy. You're the worst. Oh, that was horrifying. I only had one more thing I wanted to talk about. Okay, I have have one more thing, too. And so we can do those things. We can do those things. Wrap it up. Okay, what's your thing? Um, My thing is kind of silly, but uh, it was also part of that article, and I forgot to mention it when I mentioned the article, but the author did a cute thing where they gave little tips about... Um, how to watch this show if the horror is too much or if it's making you uncomfortable. Ooh. Um, and it was just like three like little cute tips. Like the first one is, remember that these are actors playing a role and no one's being hurt. And so that was really sweet. And that is a good way to, excuse me, approach horror. If, um, if you're uncomfortable with horror, I don't expect anyone to be watching this if they really hate horror, because it is quite horrific, but... But it gets dark sometimes. Yeah. Like, like I love horror, and every once in a while I'm like, it's not even scary, it's just, like, doom. <laughs> like, it's a feeling yeah! of doom. Like, the scenes with the the first possessed guy who was in a wheelchair, he was, like, paraplegic, I think. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. All of that... That actor, I definitely recognized, and I could not name him. He's, he's... from the K2. Okay. I think he's in everything. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a very famous actor. And he did such a cool job. Like, so constantly spooky in, like, the, the kind of zombie way. Yeah. I think he was nailing it. And then the older junkyard brother, 
opposite end of the spectrum. I was like, bud, please don't keep biting your thumb off. I can't watch this anymore. (laughs) This is is actually too much. This is too much. We've got our limits. So, yeah, there's sometimes when I'm like, yeah, horror. And sometimes when I needed that tip of like, it's just an actor. It's just a show. It's fine. His thumb is still attached to his body. He didn't actually do this. Um, yeah, so that was a good one. And then another one was to, if if you're still too involved with it, you can watch behind the scenes bloopers of, uh, like, the actors, like, telling a joke while they're covered in fake blood or something, or, like, like, overacting and being silly or something. I haven't watched any of them, so I don't know any of the things they actually do. But that's a really cute idea to lighten the mood if you're, like... This is too much. I want to make sure this person is okay. And then they're like, ah, look at my crazy thumb. Yeah. (laughs) I love that stuff. Obviously, I love it with the main characters, but I love it especially with the side characters who often have to go through so much more gruesome, disturbing things, like stabbing their eyes out with a pencil. Yeah. And you're like, I just want to see you, like, joking about that before you do it. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> um, and then the last thing was actually kind of uh, adjacent to what you said about being really, really impressed with some of the portrayals of like possessed people was like, um, get really into just how well the people are. Like, if you're scared, they're doing their job well. Like, they're they're doing a good job. So be proud of those actors because they're trying to scare you and they're doing it. I grew up going to a lot of like haunted houses and haunted trails when I was little we would go to I grew up in San Diego and there was a big haunted trail in Balboa Park which was like just this massive thing that you'd walk through and it was horror it was very scary it was terrifying but we always had fun and one year we brought my friend who hated it she was like six or seven so obviously pretty young for that kind of stuff we all were (laughs) but I think my parents didn't care they desensitized Um, you early yeah yeah we were into it already we had gone a couple times but she was not having it and so one of the actors in in the trail was like it's okay I'm a real person like look this is all fake. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Like I, we're okay. My hand is still attached to my body. It's not a chainsaw hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that has always stayed with me of like, yeah, the moment you get too scared, I check out and I'm like, it's okay. They're real people. They're actors. They're fine. They just, they want to scare me and that's good. That's yeah. their job. And it's that's okay so for sweet. me to be scared. Like, that's the that's what I'm paying for. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I want that adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I love horror. That's why I love... I don't get it quite as much from um, gore horror, like this kind yeah. of toes the line, but, like, the more psychological horror things uh, definitely spook me. And th- I think this show has a bit of a balance of the two of those, so... Yeah, like, seeing 
the Park Il dude shadow things start to appear behind Father Cheekbones in the that hospital. That was so good. Oh my god. Good. I usually don't like when they show the demon because I think that it can often eject me out of the moment in a way that mm-hmm. I I don't like because it's the moment where I'm like, oh, you made it too real, and now I remembered that it's not real. Um, but the way they did it, where it was unfocused in the background and just kind of like a a shape behind uh-huh. him, so well done. Yeah. I think it was a little less well done with the nightmare that later Hua Pyeong had of the same guy. But I think it worked because they were so different. So it seemed like almost more terrifying of like, we're dealing with something that cannot have a, a single face and does not have a single form. When Ryan confronted it, sorry, Ryan, Ryan Gold, <laughs> aka Father Cheekbones, aka Matthew. This is going to be tough. <laughs> when he confronted it in the hospital, it was this thing. When Hua Pyeong confronted it in his nightmares, it was this thing. And I'm hoping they do more of that of like, it is, it can't be claimed by a single face because that's something that I, don't see often I think far too often they get something like Hua Pyeong's nightmare and then they show it to you a million times and you're like I'm not scared of that thing anymore you've shown it to me too much and too close and I'm familiar with it yeah it's just gross and weird now you've made yeah. it gross and weird <laughs> but they're they're towing the line I'm hoping they keep it as scary as it as it has been I'm excited yeah, yeah, they've done a super, super good job with uh, certain aspects of it that I've that are is definitely keeping me interested. So I hope that I don't know they continue on that trajectory and really draw me in. I want to be scared and I want to be I don't know wigged out, but also curious to see what's gonna happen. Yeah. Okay, the last, the very last thing I wanted to say. Which is, again, not super important. My notes are all dumb. But I loved how much weird comic relief there was. I think I was surprised by that. And I think that's something that I'm going to say blanket statement. Korean dramas often surprise me with. They do it very well. And this one was no exception. Where it's so gruesome and so horrifying. And you're so scared. And then suddenly there's a scene with the shaman and he is just not pure comedy because he's not like a clown Mm -mm. he is a genuine person that has these powers that they constantly bring back and show how strong he is but he's also so funny all the time yeah he is hilarious and yeah you don't really expect or think you need A moment of him talking to his friend, who he thinks is his friend, but it's just a hospital patient with his face wrapped. Uh And then all of a sudden, you're like, no, I didn't need that. That was a good taste breaker. Uh, A little break from the horror. And God, is he good at just being silly and fun, but in a really appropriate way for a horror drama. Yeah. I think the shaman and the other detective, the senior detective... 
are just nailing their roles of like characters who are serious and have responsibilities and powers but they're not bland I don't know like they're still very funny they provide some relief where I feel like Detective Kong's uh buddy cop is such a good character and he's not always funny but when he is he's such a good balance to every scene yeah 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 I love it Love to see it. And they put those two together for one scene, and that's also Uh what I needed. (laughs) And it wasn't just, like, a dumb joke scene. It was a genuine, like, they were fearful of something, and they didn't understand something, and they were just that that line of between serious and joking. Love to see it. Love to see it. They're doing great, so... Keep that up also as well. Do not kill either of those characters. We need them. <laughs> we need them. Please don't kill them. <laughs> um, I think that's everything. If you are enjoying this drama, or even if you're like still not sure, um, let us know. Email us. Because uh, like we've said several times now, this is really different from what we've done before. And we're going to keep doing it. We're going to finish it out. But we'd love to hear from you, our listeners, on what you think of the drama as well. So you can email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah! If you want to give us a short hey, you can find us on Twitter at playonk or on Instagram at playonkpodcast. We have our website where you can comment on episodes, sign up for our newsletter, uh, find a link to our Patreon, find links to our affiliate affiliates, um... We have NordVPN and Blueberry Podcasting on there, so go check those out, and that's all at playonk.com. If you want to go directly to our Patreon to unlock our bonus content or just support the show in any way you can, that's patreon.com slash playonk, and we would appreciate it so, so much. Yeah, and then we have our... um our streaming platforms. We're on a bunch of them. iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry... Um, all of them pretty much most of the places that you can find podcasts and wherever you find us if you can rate, review, or subscribe or just anything that could help us out it really means a lot to us it helps other K-drama podcast lovers find us yeah if you make it to episodes 5 through 8 then join us next week for our second episode of The Guest